Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 274, Scoob! And now we're in space. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. And this is the last movie in our dog series. And we're ending it on a Halloween note. Ooh. Kind of. (laughs) Well, I will be... So for anybody who's listening on Halloween, I will be working diligently in order to get this out today. Uh, This is early in the morning, like 8 a.m. And uh, because we have a deadline on... Generally, we have it out on Tuesdays, but today's Monday. And I really just want to have this out. So that's my goal. Hopefully, I'll be able to do that. Um, we will do it. We will. We this will get done. Morgan, how has the trick or treating been for you this year? What have your kids been dressing up as? It's been pretty good. You know, nowadays in the modern era, it seems that trick or treating is not just a Halloween day activity. There are multiple parties: Halloween parties, fall festivals, festivities, mm-hmm. trunk or treats. And so the children have many opportunities to wear their costumes. So, which is much better, um, I think, than you know when we had it was like, no, you get one day. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> unless so costumes. Pippa and Graham, they both selected their own costume, and they're just the cutest age right now, where they pick really random things. So Graham wanted to be a mailbox because oh. he really wanted the box to open up and. According to him, he, his basket would be on a hook inside and people would put it in the basket. Well, that is uh, that's a, quite that, the... That's a bit it, much because <laughs> there's not a lot of room inside the box. Um, but the fact that he so, had that whole thing, like engineering mind, <laughs> I'm, I'm very yes. impressed. <laughs> yeah. So he is a USPS blue mailbox. Jared, my husband, is a mailman nice. to go along with that. 
Pippa wanted to be grapes. So she has a bunch of grapes. They're purple. It's a bunch of balloons okay. that have been pinned onto a purple bodysuit. And then I made this cute headband thing that has leaves and oh, that you know, curly cute. Q, you know, vines. So unfortunately, she wore that to the very first party at the beginning of all the festivities about a week and a half ago. And as grapes do, they shri- they shrivel up. Aww. So some of her <laughs> grapes are now shriveled. <laughs> But that's fine. We'll just, um, you know, undo now them and, and reinflate them today before the <laughs> final party. She only wore it for that first party. And then we've had two or three, maybe other ones in between. And she's chosen to be Elsa for those ones. Okay. Um, and so for the final one, I was like, no, we made this grape costume for Halloween. You are being grapes because the grapes are so freaking cute. Like it is the most adorable costume ever. So... <laughs> Like, we are getting our moment with this. So that's tonight. We'll do that. And you know what? My friend just sent me a picture. Her whole family's going as Encanto because, you know, Encanto has taken over the world over the past year. It's crazy. It's almost been a year since it came out. And uh, she sent me her picture as her as Abuela. (laughs) Like, oh, you make a great Abuela. You know, she's 30s. Um, So I'm like, you know what? I need to I need to participate. I love dressing up. It's just I I don't have the energy really right so i well, need either you, you next haven't year explained do a why part uh, what? you haven't explained pu- publicly why well i'm pregnant oh yeah yay. so but i mean also just if even if i wasn't i'd be tired <laughs> from all the kids i mean so. i get that <laughs> <laughs> so i saw her costume i was like oh man i need to i need to try a little more so maybe i'll do a family costume next year or i will participate you know so that is that nice so Chelsea, what are you doing for Halloween? Well, so I'm not very exciting. And to go along with your, I'm tired a lot. Well, I'm not necessarily tired a lot. I just don't really have a lot of reason to get all dressed up as I probably would have in past years. But I decided that this year is going to be one of those extra things. And I'm like, nope, I am going to kill two birds with one stone. And I am going to be a marathon runner because I am training to do another marathon or well, half marathon. I'm not doing a Ooh. full, um, but I'll be doing a half marathon in February. And so I was, I was like, you know what? I am going to wear all of my three medals that I've gotten over the past however many years but I was like okay this is what I'm gonna do and I tried to wear them but then it was just like they were all clinking out like everywhere I went I'm like this is just annoying I'm done (laughs) so anyway that was my Halloween try but all good it's all good well I'm very very glad that'll be fun so let's jump into this movie this is the final dog the ultimate dog you know this is an iconic pooch so, so we are going to jump in to the movie Scoob. Bongo, Scary hours, but we ain't afraid to do it. Tastes like candy, yeah, I might do it. Tastes like candy, yeah, I might lose it. Might get spooky. Scary hours, but we ain't afraid to do it. Tastes like candy, yeah, I might do it. Tastes like candy, yeah, I might lose it. I've seen a figure in the fall. Hope it isn't quicker than my dog. I've seen things that would make you shiver if you saw. She said I got whiskers and some paws. Cause baby, I'm a dog. Late night cruising. Something's out there and I don't know if it's human. Okay, so our main discussion follows one of the most iconic dogs of all time. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? 
So before we get started, let's give a little background on this film. This film came out during the period which shall not be named. So it was scheduled initially 2018, ultimately was pushed to May 15th, 2020, which is just the right in the dead center of the pandemic. Trolls World Tour had done very well doing their digital only release. And so Warner Brothers kind of took a chance and followed in that footsteps, even though they were warned that it might not go as well for them. So on a budget of $90 million, ultimately the box office for this, it was released in other countries and they did kind of release it for three days a year later in the U.S., $28.5 million, which is not great at all. Now, of course, we don't know how much it did as far as the video on demand, the premiere access and all of that, Um, supposedly... Trolls World Tour did $100 million in its first month, and it's expected that Scoob did 30 to 40% less than that. Um, so it's hard to say, was this a success or not? But, you know, so there's the information. Oh, also, it was directed by Tony Cervone, and obviously the studio is Warner Brother Pictures and Warner Brother Animation. The animation specifically was done by Real FX, hmm. who have done quite a few films from from time to time. So that is that. So this came out during an interesting time. And I remember when it was released and I remember all this drama, but then I ultimately never saw it because, you know, who's going to pay $20? I certainly <laughs> didn't. So for not any of the movies at that during that time, it was like, no, unless I have a giant group of people where it was economically worth it. Right. But no, that wasn't going to happen. So, but I know a lot of people that did. I did not also. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I just, I didn't, the fact like, I guess part of the, part of the uh, trailer, I think they showed a little bit of the young Scoob and I felt like that was a little off putting, which when I watched it, I was like, yes, this really is off putting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I never, I didn't see it then. I watched this while I was on my flight to uh, New York. And so I was like, all right, we'll put this on today. And yeah, so that was my, you can just picture me <laughs> sitting on a very cramped flight with two people on either side, not giving me any room and just being like really uncomfortable, but being able to watch Scooby-Doo. And so that is <laughs> where that's where my mind was when I was watching this. Nice. So, you know, Scooby-Doo is an interesting franchise. It's been around for such a long time. Yes, it really has. This series has been, it was created by Hanna-Barbera in 1969. And it has just had so many reiterations of this franchise over the years. Scooby-Doo himself has had (laughs) more voice actors than you can count, it seems like, which is, you know, it seems like for Mickey Mouse that you could count them on one hand sort of thing. But they keep switching it up for Scooby-Doo. It was voiced by Don Messick from 1969 to 1996. He was the main guy. And then, uh, well, then there were some, but, but then for some commercials or live shows or this or that, you know, they found other people. But seems like he was kind of the main one but now it's if you look on the scooby-doo page it's like um yeah well this person did this for a phone message this person did this Mm. for live on stage this Mm -hmm. person did this for the movie it came out 2004 it's just interesting so yeah scooby-doo he's iconic and you know what i think 
He's just simple. He's a simple character. He doesn't talk a lot. And that's one thing I think that makes him special is that he he says very few things like yeah and you know he can't most of his letters start most of his words you know start with the letter r you know he has this sort of like speech impediment if you will because he's you know a dog right right (laughs) and but it's so endearing and it's cute and and his for me charm comes from the physical all the physical things that he has to do and the pantomiming and and this and that um and with this movie scoop they didn't really focus on that. We're going to talk about the movie. Uh, I just wanted to give a little backstory into, you know, the, the show, but oof, Scooby. So the show Scooby-Doo, where are you? And surprisingly only ran for three seasons, 1969 to 1970. You think how iconic the show that's is? That's really surprising. But it, it really was very short. And that's, I think just goes to show if you go back to a lot of these like classic shows from the fifties or sixties or seventies, you think like, wow, they were amazing. They were, they were everything, but they really didn't have that many seasons. And I think that may work in their favor because they kind of end before (laughs) it gets bad. Yeah. Kind of like the Simpsons (laughs) and it allows them to remain iconic and, and short, you know? Well, there was a almost unwritten law. Uh, during the 90s where a any series wouldn't go over a hundred episodes and generally that was four seasons and it was just like after that specifically if you were like if you're dealing with like kid actors and things like that then you're just going to it's just going to be more complicated to be able to replace mm-hmm. actor voice actors or not or if they're like if it's live action it's like you really can't you you've reached your expiration Mm -hmm. date after four years you know so i can definitely see how that was a thing for this movie as well but it is really surprising the fact that it was so iconic because there's not a lot of shows Mm -hmm. that are able to become that iconic i remember in junior high you know coming home and i don't know what random station it was but they would play scooby-doo and that's kind of where i was first introduced to it because obviously i wasn't born in 1969 and these shows got a lot of replay mm-hmm. and it just became part of pop culture. And, you know, there's been many special features over the years and movies and and obviously like we were talking about spinoffs, um, this, uh, specifically the Mystery Gang and Scooby-Doo has been reimagined so many times that it's just like there's too many to count. But this one is the original and it has, you know, should introduce our cast of characters. We have Scooby-Doo, who's the dog. We have Shaggy Rogers, who is Scooby's BFF. He wears green and he has shaggy hair. We have Fred Jones, who's kind of the all-American football player type. Though I don't know if he plays football. Then we have Daphne, who's the redhead, who's the babe. And then Velma Dinkley. So she is the nerd who wears the orange sweater, says jinkies. You know, they kind of have their own things that they say that kind of make them iconic. IMDb is always going to be a weird place sometimes when you're looking at like cast because they they almost always rank them by how much like they get paid and whatnot or and so mm-hmm. you have like the voice for for Scooby-Doo which one would think it would be much higher <laughs> but he's like 10th on the list is like oh it's way down there you know Frank <laughs> Welker you know right, that's it right. <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> Um, the blue Falcon is Matt, Mark Wahlberg, which I actually didn't recognize. And Zach Efron was as 
Fred Jones. Uh, so I was Amanda Seyfried as Daphne and Velma got actually higher ranking than almost everybody. <laughs> Velma, uh, Gina sure. Rodriguez. And so it's just kind of funny how that always, how that ends up working out, like what they end up doing with that. But there's just a lot of people in here that I, I really didn't realize as I was mm-hmm. watching. I mean, Simon Cowell definitely understood that one. But Henry Henry Winkler as well. I was like, what? I didn't realize you were in there at all. You know, you mentioned Simon Cowell. And I think that is one of the things that epitomizes this movie. This movie is a mess. Yes. It's a disaster. It's a it's all over the place. It could be you could take random screenshots from different parts of the movie and not even know that it was the same movie. Yeah. We have, you know, Simon Cowell make this proposal in the beginning and total cameo not just you know he's someone else right it's it's him right i and i think anytime you bring simon cowell into the scene i think he had his day and anytime now that he's on there because he's so uh typecasted it's just going to be I just feel like it dates it to 10, oh, 15 years ago. For sure. Simon Cowell, immediately you think of the heyday of, obviously, American Idol went for a long time, but you just think early 2000s. Yes. And he, they, so we're, we'll go back and talk about how they all meet, you know, and they have their children and they they meet up and they become the mystery gang. But when t- Simon Cowell gets introduced, it's 10 years later and they want to, you know, help make Mystery Inc. a business. And so they bring in an investor and this is their investor meeting just at this random cafe. And it's Simon Cowell, which I'm like, Simon Cowell, he's he's a music producer. That's his shtick. Why wouldn't you bring in, you know, one of the sharks from Shark Tank? Right, right. You know, who at least even that's kind of dated now. Like probably that's ten years dated at this point, but that would have made more sense. I and mean, it was, Gary V would have been fun. <laughs> yeah, I, somebody it just Gary V, but not Gary V. Like right. Gary V's voice as just like a generic investor. Yeah. Immediately once I saw Simon Cowell, I was like, oh. Like, what is this? Because also, I don't know if you noticed this, the main characters are really just, as far as their character designs, really disjointed. Um, They don't, they're not really cohesive. But then a lot of the background characters are really Uncanny Valley to me. Mm -hmm. Like Simon Cowell felt Uncanny Valley that when they get chased by that police car or at the very beginning, the police officer on the bike, Uh he felt like kind of like rotoscoped, (laughs) Uncanny Valley motion capture. Something was off. And yeah, so I see the Simon Cowell, like, creepy thing. And, uh, yeah, and so Scab, Scabby, Shaggy <laughs> and Scooby, I guess we could just, if we're referring to the both of them, we'll just call them Scabby. But they, Simon Cowell, he says, no, I don't want to, you know, you guys are too childish, so I'm not going to invest. And this gets both of them really mad, so they quit the group, and then they go to the bowling scene, and then, you know, kicks everything off. No, but- it, the whole thing is, like, friendship can't solve everything and it's like Mm -hmm. oh oh gosh okay so this is really what the (laughs) this is what the entire movie is going to hinge on is that sentence friendship won't solve everything i felt like a lot of this movie was very transparent yeah you know at the very beginning when they become uh, when Shaggy and Scooby, like he adopts him, becomes part of his family and he takes him to his room and then he starts showing him his like action figures. I'm like, hundred percent, they're going to play a part like this. We're going to see this guy somehow, whether the Falcon is going to be a bad guy later on or something. Like there's, there's no reason why they're really highlighting this. At least that's what I thought. And so this movie is weird because 
we have that beginning. I think only really the only good part of the movie is when they're all kids. Which I thought was weird too, though. <laughs> they, I liked when they were trick-or-treating. I don't like Scooby as a kid, as, as a puppy. I don't like that they made him talk so eloquently. And it was just really off-putting. I did not like that. I, they should have just made him be like you know scooby should have been traditional scooby he talked way too much in this movie yeah he had too much of a personality it's a no-go yes it took me away i mean at this point this has been a very established property and i understand wanting to mix it up and make things different but this one didn't work we didn't need him talking almost attempting to be a human with as (laughs) the amount of talking that he was doing yeah he's a dog who can say maybe a few things, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought the best part, honestly, was when they were trick-or-treating and they kind of all, like, met each other and have that little scuff with the haunted house. Like, to me, when I think of Scooby-Doo, I think of abandoned building, uh-huh. abandoned amusement park, abandoned whatever, you know, something spooky where the mystery gang goes in and they solve a mystery, Right. And so when they go into that haunted house and very quickly discover, you know, the mystery and that there's all the classic catch lines, like I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. Right, right. I liked all that. And I thought that was good. I thought it felt pretty natural. But then once everything, basically, when they were adults was a no for me. You know, my favorite part of the entire movie was the bullies. And at the very beginning when they were like, the candy's going to rot your brains. (laughs) It was just like... I was still chuckling about that later just because I was like, oh, it feels like they're totally gone to hippies. It's <laughs> the oh, children I I of was, hippies. I was like, um, they're not wrong. They're not they're wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, and I kind of felt like kids with parent minds, <laughs> but also bullies. It's just kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I was still chuckling about them like a couple days later after <laughs> after this. But the fact is like that was the best part of the movie for me, <laughs> legitimately. <Yeah. laughs> Which is unfortunate for yeah. the movie. You know, so we have a variety of different settings. So we have the modern day setting. Then we go into more of like a superhero film with the Blue Falcon. They're on and the spaceship. Spaceship and, and whatever. And then we also have the prehistoric island, which is Messick Mountain, which is really bizarre with the caveman guy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then we go back, then we go to Athens and then put this like overlay on it. And Cerberus is there and, and the portal to the underworld. All of these things. It's just like, what is this movie trying to be? Is it an ancient Greek, you know, sort of history film where they're solving something, they discover something from history? Is it a modern superhero film? Is it just a regular, you know, everyday solving mysteries around town sort of thing? It couldn't decide what it wanted to be when it grew up and it decided, let's do it all, you know, like for Halloween. I don't want to just be this, this or this, but I'm going to combine them all. And people are like, <laughs> what are you again? I don't know your costume. And that's what, how this movie felt. And it just kept getting more and more silly and obnoxious and just confusing. You know, like, oh, well, it turns out Scooby is the last remaining descendant of Alexander the Great's dog. Oh, right, right, like, right. What? <laughs> well, okay. Where are we? And then, and then the bad guy, you know, and dastardly. and dastardly, you know, Dick Dastardly. And it's just, okay. You know, Scooby-Doo always had the mystery bad guy. Yeah, you know, kind of in the shadows. It's someone doing something, but we can't figure out who it is. And then you reveal it at the end. And they they try to do the 
the gag of the double reveal, the double, you know. Right, right. Oh, it's this person. No, off. actually, it's this yeah. person. Don't was dun, like, dun. okay, yeah, but. <laughs> I will say that the fun land, you know, they go to an abandoned amusement park. And I think that that's one of the creepiest parts of this whole thing. Because it's like you have this like disembodied clown head out front and the fun house mirrors and everything. I've always thought that they were kind of creepy. I would have liked that that to be a bigger part of it. Like that if once they we would went have just there, like, like oh, there. this is traditional Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And it, you knew that they... That's the reason why they went there, because it's iconically Scooby-Doo, you know, and it's almost like they felt, oh, well, yeah, we need to go to the abandoned amusement park. And but that was a really cool design. It was just like felt really old. It had a cool vibe to it. Uh, there was a lot that they could have done there. And and another thing I didn't love, and I'm sorry, this is just like a total negative Nancy episode, but this it was a mess. This was a total mess. Um, <laughs> was just that the other members of the mystery, you know, gang were background characters, you know, that were basically pushing the plot along as needed. Yeah. There was no heart to this movie. Like ultimately the end of the day, I'm like, why do I care? You know, what's the motivation for, for Scooby and, and Shaggy or anyone like the most we kind of got was the blue Falcon character kind of, you know, where we see, you know, he was replacing his father and he kind of reveals to Scooby how he feels, but it's like, why do I care about him? You know? Yeah. No, watching this movie was like trying to summarize the Fast and the Furious series. The whole thing starts out just as like family, friends, driving cars, and then some solving petty crime. And now we're in space. <laughs> it's just like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> what? You know, I've never seen any of those movies, but I wouldn't expect it to go there. <laughs> No, but that's what happens in like the ninth when they like go to space. Like what, what is going on? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> and like the moral of the story is always clean out your rumba vacuum. Like, okay, got it. <laughs> Cause they oh, have wow. the little, like little machine. that's like, Oh, I'm going to, if you, you clean me out. So thank you. I'm always going to be your friend. <laughs> so like I'm watching this and I'm realizing this is like really long and hard to sit through, but I'm also wondering if I'm just not the target demo. Were your kids able to watch this at all? I did not watch it with them. Okay. I watched it on double speed, which helped significantly. <laughs> um, but even at the shortened, you know, for essentially 45 minutes, it was too long. It wasn't good. It just, as every new setting or character started getting introduced. It was just like, I was rolling my eyes. Like, what are we doing here, guys? Like, who is this for? This clearly isn't, you know, the Brad Bird approach, as we've been talking recently, where it's for all audiences, but it's mostly, but it's it's not designated or designed for kids first. It's adults first. And hey, because it's a good script and good stories, good plot, kids will enjoy it too. This was not that. And it's like, I I just wanted to be a fly in the wall when they were developing the story because like, how did we get here? Yeah. At what point does someone watch like the animatic of this and think this "This is amazing. This is good. (laughs) You know, no guys, seriously, (sighs) this is good. (laughs) That is, yeah, that is a question. Like, okay. So if you're working at a company and you're like, and somebody comes up and, and pitches this movie, and says, I have the best idea for a Scoob 
film. We're just actually we're not even gonna call it Scooby Doo. I would do the old Scoob. Simon Cowell or the other guy. Like I'm out, dog. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. This kind of gets me on another soapbox. When you look at Halloween movies and we try to pretend that they're good just because there aren't very many of them. (laughs) (laughs) I know where you're going with this. (laughs) So there's a meme somewhere uh, and I believe you sent it to me. And I, it's Babylon B celebrating 29 years of pretending that Hocus Pocus is a good movie. (laughs) Right. True. Yes, That was the one. Yes. That was the one. But it, it's so true because you're looking at some of these films and I think it's like almost all Halloween and especially like Halloween music. So Marissa likes, she has a thing where she likes to play holiday specific music anytime any holiday comes around. Nice. And I mean like any holiday. So <laughs> Memorial Day, songs. we have fireworks music all the time <laughs> for Memorial Day. So Halloween, <laughs> she's had that playing. And then they'll have a couple different songs pop up. And I'm just thinking, man, forget about the Christmas music. If you write a really good Halloween soundtrack, then you're going to be on repeat every year. Because there's people that it's not going to be nearly as big, but all as as what you would get out of like a of a Christmas album, a great Christmas album. But if you're going to do a great Halloween one, you're dealing with supply and demand. Even though demand isn't like out of this world, it's still enough. For example, I did a cover of the Arizona State song and I still get paid at least $100 a year in some kind of royalty just from that one video and I released it on streaming. Is it because it's like amazing? I love Arizona. So yes, it is because it is amazing. But it is also the fact that people look and search for the Arizona State song and mine's like one of the only ones that comes up. So it's keyword focused. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of what you're getting into when you're dealing with like Halloween movies, because there are some movies that are going to make it work out. And there's almost always like a scream, scream two, scream three. Scream four, you know, so it's like, we're just going to keep hitting this as much as long as it works. And I kind of feel mm-hmm. like that's what this was. <laughs> Although <laughs> we're doing this on Halloween, it's, this isn't necessarily a Halloween movie in the least. When If I were to think of Scooby-Doo, I think Halloween stuff just because of the costumes and the masks and everything. So that's yes. why I, that is why I that's, decided see, to put thing. it on I this day. I lost what makes Scooby-Doo Scooby-Doo. Uh-huh. And they tried to make it this other thing, which I understand, like how many times has Scooby-Doo been done at this point? But for some reason, you got to keep the elements that keep it itself. Right. You know, you take too many of those away or you swap them out and you do this, this and that, and it's no longer recognizable. And that's ultimately what this was, you know? Yeah. If they would have made this, you know, haunted, like like the, the haunted house at the beginning, mm-hmm. the haunted amusement park, like really spooky and scary and makes you jump. That would have, yeah, been so much better of a film. Yeah, if they would have just released it in October, and of course everyone's going to show up. Yeah, if they would have just focused on that and actually leaned into the Halloween thing, it probably would have worked out way better for them, Mm -hmm. knowing their audience. And and drop the Falcon stuff. Yeah. Drop the Cerberus. 
other world stuff. It's just, <laughs> it was so bizarre, you know. And of course, there were no stakes in this movie either. So at the very end, when they're like, oh, the friends have to separate and give sacrifice for each other. Right. And, you know, and so it's like, oh, is it going to be Scooby? Is it going to be Fred? Fre- not Fred. His friend, um, Scat. Scrap. <laughs> Scooby. Shaggy. Scooby. Shaggy. Who's it going to be? And then ultimately it's Scooby Doo. And it's like, as soon as he got into the portal of that other world and he wasn't going to come back, I didn't care. I'm like, <laughs> he's coming back. Like, right. Three, two, one. He's going to be back. Right. <laughs> and ultimately, like on cue, that's what ended up happening. And it was just so silly. That's like, oh, well, he actually went back in time and he wrote this statue that shows you how to bring him back. And here's the statue oh, right gosh. now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, what? What are we doing here, guys? Why are we doing this? It's goofy. and yeah. dumb. Yeah. So. I, you know, they could have, I'm very sorry. I, I try to be very positive and look at the positive in things and <laughs> this wasn't one of them. So, okay. So it, we're rewriting this script right now. The next Scoob is coming out for Halloween. And so it's a Halloween audience. Basically, which one of these settings was your favorite? The abandoned amusement park? Well, I think you kind of hit all of them. I think they go on an adventure and they try to figure out. So they start off in the, you know, they go visit someone's house where the clues are and they have adventures there and spooky antics happen, you know, in that haunted house. And then, you know, end up in a spooky forest that's pretty scary. And, you know, maybe there's wolves that are chasing them or something, you know, mm-hmm. hear wolves in the background or something scary happens there. Now, you know, and then they would... stumble on this old abandoned amusement park while they're at it and discover, you know, more crazy antics ensue. Do werewolves ed- exist in the Scooby-Doo universe? I mean, no, but someone dressed as a werewolf trying to scare them. Okay. Sure. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think kind of hit the main, the big main bullets. And then maybe return back to the haunted house for the final clue where you discover who it unmasked this person. Like, here's the thing. They tried to recreate the wheel, but the wheel was perfectly fine. And I think for this film, just doing traditional Scooby-Doo stuff would have worked and would have been fun and just make it really spooky and creepy. And, and that would have been perfectly fine enough for a Halloween film. You don't have to throw like your, Oh, a goblin, a werewolf, <laughs> a ghost, you know, but like they do have kind of, you know, ghosty sort of things, but you could right. have some of those elements that are kind of scary. You don't need a pumpkin, right? Like, well, that was the thing about, uh, about the original Scooby-Doo is that not everything seemed to be sci-fi and in some type of otherworldly something happening when it was always revealed that it was like a light show or all of these mm-hmm. things so yeah. that it was based in the real world, but it was just trying to like mess with them and yep, scare totally. them. So, I mean, that would have been, that would have been totally on point and on brand, but I feel like honestly, after the last couple movies that they've tried to do, like the live action movies and into this one, like they're, they're really just, they're losing the plot. Swing and a miss. <laughs> I mean, even though in the original show, they brought in Scrappy-Doo and nobody liked him. <laughs> and so, well, yes, <laughs> but that, but that they actually used that to their advantage in one of the. Uh, live action ones because they actually made Scrappy the <laughs> the villain of them all, which I thought was it was clever and cute. Um, not my favorite movie, but you know that aspect of it. I okay. Uh, this one, I feel like they could have, yeah, they really should have just like gone back to the basics and stuck with yeah. that, and then made it something really cool. Like for example, they go to the Parthenon or whatever, 
And mm-hmm. did you know, in Nashville, there is a life-size replica of the Parthenon with a, a gold statue of Athena. I did know this. Well, there you go. Awesome. Randomly. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like they could have, like, been in Nashville, you know? <laughs> like, like, oh, we were in Nashville the whole time. You know, it was just, they could have made this, like, going all around the world kind of thing. But we're now we're in space with Marky Mark. <laughs> so, yeah. yep. So what would you rate this? Oh man, I would rate this maybe two stars. Okay. One and a half stars. It was so terrible. I had a hard time finding anything enjoyable from it. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. Well, I'm going to give it it. two and a half stars. (laughs) I thought it was watchable, but really disjointed. Um, And so I didn't really get... It much out of it in that way. Uh, and by when I say watchable, I was trying to put myself in like a kid's shoes. Like, would a kid watch this? Would this, would mm-hmm. this be watchable to them? Um, and I thought probably I, you could, I could see how they could get behind this even just a little bit, but <laughs> not, not entirely. And it was definitely not something like it's been a couple weeks since I've, since the first time I watched this and I was like, yeah, I don't really remember much other than like a couple different things. And I even had to go back and like, look up cause I had made a whole bunch of notes when I was watching it. And when I said that the moral of the story was to clean out your little Roomba, I, I had to go back and remember what does that even mean? <laughs> cause I couldn't <laughs> remember that part. So I was like, oh man, this was really forgettable unfortunately. All right. Let us know your thoughts on Scoob. Go to rotoscopers.com slash 274. Leave us all your thoughts there. Did you like it? Are we totally crazy and this was a good movie? Let us know. If you want to send us a voicemail, we would love to hear from you. Make sure to go to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails, or you can dial 406-646-6575. Seriously, we'd love to hear from you. We actually are are really excited because one of our next episodes is going to be a Barbie movie with a very special guest. One of our patrons, Soul, will be joining us. And then we are continuing the very last of our Pixar canon tier ranking series. We'll also have another episode of what are Disney's best and worst live action remakes. Good times are going to be had. Good times. If you thought Scoob was a good time, get ready for that. <laughs> I, I mean, I am looking forward to the Barbie movie. It's because Morgan and I are a little bit older. And so it Barbie didn't like hit our generation the way some of these other movies did. And so it definitely hit hers. And so she's going, she's helping us, introducing us to some of the most fun Barbie movies. So that's exciting. And also let us know what kind of series would you like us to do? We just got done with our dog series. We did Sergeant Stubby. We did Fox and the Hound, Frankenweenie, Island of Dogs, and now Scoop. We hit quite a few doggies. Now, so other than the Barbie movie, we will be doing a lot of holiday-related yes. films coming up. We're going to do Free Birds, and we're going to hit Eight Crazy Nights while we're at it. 
and a few Christmas movies at the very end of December. So buckle up, get ready. We're going to be having a good grand old time over the next few months on the Animation Acts podcast. And thanks so much to our patrons, as always, who support the show. We just got off a rotocast a few days ago where we got to hang out and just catch up on life. So you do get a brief glimpse into our lives and we talk about a variety of topics here, but that's even more so on the patron cast. So if you want more of that and you want bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, then go to rotoscopers.com slash patron to join there. That's all we have for today. Until next time, we we are are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers. Actually, there was one other quote that I wouldn't, uh, Dick Dastardly, who's like, my friends call me Dick. And and I was just like, you mean you let them? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a spooky day. (sighs) La la la. Oh, where is my spooky, um, thing? Thunder tube? (laughs) Oh, I can't. Yeah, let's add the thunder tube. Where's that darn thunder tube when you need it? There you go. The thunder tube. You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.